Welcome to the Vanessa G. Fitcast. If you think eating less is the answer to getting lean, or that you have to choose between having donuts and wine or having a body you love, well then, girl, you are in the right place. Chances are you've fallen victim to diet culture's terrible advice on how to eat and exercise. But don't worry, this podcast is going to bring you actionable information so you can start transforming your body without giving up your life. I'm Vanessa Gillette, founder and head coach of Vanessa G Fitness and Nutrition. This podcast was born from my passion for helping all women create bodies they feel confident in. Thank you for tuning in and trusting me to support and guide you. Now let's do this. Welcome back to the Vanessa G Fitcast. I'm Vanessa Gillette Pozos. And today I have a very special guest with us today. I've ditched Omar for Leslie Krivar. So Leslie, she is a licensed mental health counselor and life coach. She is a wife. She is a mother. She is a really incredible woman who I look up to greatly. I've actually been working with Leslie as my own personal mindset coach for about the last year. And she has been just completely transformative for me. Uh, we've worked together in a lot of different areas of my life and you know we've done what she likes to call of her really doing the work of showing me my mind because if I can understand my mind then I can really clearly see everything that is happening in my life because everything in life is a product of what we're thinking what we're feeling and then what we're doing as a result of that so we've actually had Leslie on the podcast once before she is a returning guest. And Leslie, I'm super excited to have you back. Welcome to the Vanessa G Fitcast. Oh, thank you for having me. And man, you just explained the work that we do and like the purpose of it so beautifully. I'm going to have to have you like be my, I don't know, be my mouthpiece sometimes and just explain it all a little bit. If you want me just clearly. to record intros for your podcast, <laughs> hype you up every time, totally fine to do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Leslie is also, she has a podcast called The Mindset Maniac on Spotify, and I highly recommend you go hit subscribe. It is a really incredible podcast. Um, Our VGFN clients, they actually also will remember Leslie as she was recently a guest coach in our client community. She did a call speaking all about the topic of mind management, of time management as mind management. Mm -hmm. And it was really incredible. We got so much great feedback from our clients. We still have clients that are re-listening to the recording and continuing to implement the different things that she taught, which is really, really amazing. So for that reason and for many more, I wanted to make sure that we got Leslie back on the podcast today to talk about one of the topics that I would say has been most transformative for me in our work together, Leslie, and that's Mm -hmm. really all about emotional regulation and thought work. Mm -hmm. So Let's start with, you know, Leslie, like you always say that our thoughts are the keys to everything. Mm -hmm. So let's start there. Can you explain a little bit kind of high level to our listeners about how our thoughts ultimately control our emotions? Absolutely. Yes. So let's, let's start out by kind of categorizing everything that happens to us in life. And I I like to kind of break this down. I think it's helpful to have a visual to think that like everything that happens to us, everything that we feel, everything that we do, it can fall into five different categories. So we have circumstance, 
circumstance can be anything that we experience, something that is like factual. It is non like negotiable. No one could debate you on it. Like this is just a fact this happened or this was said, or this was just like a result basically. Um, that would be a category one. We have a circumstance and then we have our thoughts. This is everything that we basically do kind of in our minds, the things that we think, our beliefs, uh, limiting beliefs, like all of that would kind of fall into our thoughts, thought line, if you will. And then we have our feelings. Feelings are everything that we experience emotionally, right? Uh, shame, excitement, happiness, guilt, fear, all of that. Then we have our actions, the things that we can see ourselves doing throughout life. And actions produce our results, our outcomes, which is what, what our whole lives end up being, like whether we get married, whether we move, whether we um, buy a house, whether we pursue this career, like literally the way that our life unfolds is a result of our actions. And as I'm going to like backpedal this all the way back up, everything that we do like action wise comes from our feelings. Everything that we um, feel inside of us or everything that we, yeah, I mean, everything that we feel inside of us is what is going to produce any action in life. We don't do anything unless we have a feeling inside of us. So feelings are huge. And then our thoughts, our beliefs is what creates the, the feeling inside of us. So I'm trying to like create this little like um, visual for you. And pretty much everything comes from the thoughts that we have about a specific circumstance. So creating that visual of the five categories, like once we understand the way that we're thinking about a circumstance, a circumstance is completely neutral. But once we understand the way that we're thinking about something and what that's creating in our life, then we start really figuring out, oh my gosh, I have so much healthy control to change things if I want to, or just to like have it make sense to me as far as like why things are playing out the way they're playing out. Mm. I, I always love when you break down the different categories there and how essentially it's like different lines, like each one really flowing into the next because so many people really, we don't realize how much these things are separated out and how we, each one impacts the next. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes I find that we focus on just the circumstance or on the action and trying to yes. change and control those two things. And I know for myself, when we first started working together, that was a big thing that I had to work through and I'm still actively working through is I often want to control the circumstance. And even there's been times where it's not even for me about controlling the circumstance, but sometimes even just wanting to kind of go around the circumstance, wanting to avoid the, the challenging circumstances and wait for the circumstance to change rather than really addressing how I think and how I feel. And, you know, Leslie, I'm, I'm sure you'll remember this of just even a, a recent time where this happened was when I found myself, you know, going through these changes in my body as a result of some hormonal imbalances and some protocols to really heal my body from the inside out that did lean, that did lead into some weight gain. And through that process, I found that, you know, the weight gain being this circumstance, the weight gain is a, a factual circumstance. But I would find myself having a lot of really challenging emotions around this circumstance. I would have, you know, insecurities around, you know, what are people thinking about my body? I'd have fear around how might people perceive me? How might this affect my, my business? Am I going to be respected as a coach? I would have, you know, sadness, almost mourning the, the previous body that I had. And I often found myself just wanting to fix this circumstance or 
if I can't fix the circumstance, then just, you know, say, well, I'm just going to kind of passively wait until I can lose the weight and then wait for that to change how I feel, wait for the circumstances to change. And you really pushed me, you really guided me to allow myself to sit in that uncomfortable position of managing my mind and of being aware of my thoughts and really allowing myself to see how my thoughts and how my mind was actually controlling the outcomes that were happening as a result of this. So I would love to talk about that a little bit more of, you know, why, why can't we just control circumstances and why can't we just avoid circumstances and wait for them to change? Why is it better to really focus on our thoughts? Yeah, that's such a great question because we are kind of almost trained as like humans to, to want to fix things when we feel off. Right. So when I'm feeling sad, I want to look at okay, what is the circumstance that's creating my sadness? And when I work with clients or even when I just talk with people in general and we're working on or we're acknowledging that we feel a certain way that we don't want to feel, we just like naturally gravitate towards it's this, it is this circumstance that's making me feel this way. So in your example, like I'm feeling sad because of this weight gain, right? And as we talked about like a moment ago, like the weight gain itself is completely neutral. It's a number. It, it, it is nothing. It's just a neutral kind of fact. The reason that it's making you feel sad is because of the thoughts that you're having around it. And so most of the time people try and they're like, okay, well, I'm feeling sad. So I need to change this number. And maybe they do change it. Right. But oftentimes, even if it's changed, they'll find themselves still feeling sad or still feeling some sort of negative emotion because it's not the number often that is like creating the sadness. It's the way that we're thinking about ourselves being that number, right? So the, the beautiful, like I always call it like the deep work that we get to do is we get to get curious about like, okay, what are the actual thoughts that I'm having about this number? Because if I like looked at the scale and it said like 195 and I thought, oh, okay, that's just what the scale says today. I'm 195. That doesn't mean anything about me personally. Then I would just move on with my day. That might create a feeling inside of me of just like acceptance or kind of just like neutrality. But if I looked at that number and was like, I am a slob, I'm lazy. I need to do these things to like make myself be a better version of myself. Like that would create feelings inside of me of like shame and guilt. And what I often see is people trying to take actions from that place. Like, oh, I'm going to go on a diet because I feel shame, or I'm going to um, basically try and exercise my life away because of this shame. And again, that might work for a certain amount of time because it's, we can kind of do those sort of things from willpower or um, determination, but at some point we're going to be exhausted by that. And if we're taking action from a feeling that is like what I would call like negative, like not a negative, but like a dark side emotion, guilt, shame, anger, resentment, fear, that's never long-term going to produce the outcome that we want. So acknowledging the thoughts that are creating this feeling inside of us, right? I am lazy. I'm a slob. I, you know, all these thoughts that, that we have that are creating these negative feelings. We want to start with the thoughts because if we can change that narrative, even slightly, to something that makes us feel a little bit better, even if the feeling is just kind of a neutral place, we can absolutely start taking action from there. And that's going to be in a more aligned action. And that's going to be an action that allows us to have like a sustainable long-term outcome. Mm, 
It's so powerful. And this is really why with our own clients, a lot of what we do now, of course, everything is individualized, but for many of our clients, when they come to us, just really wanting to immediately lose weight in hoping that changing their body is going to change how they feel. A lot of times what we do initially is we take away the scale so that we can kind of remove that factor initially and we can focus on you know, bringing awareness to our thoughts and our feelings and start to work on maybe modifying some of those kinds of things and just bringing awareness to our mind. And then later on, we can maybe reintroduce the scale and now have it be something where we can have a different perspective on it. And I know for myself that that's been a, a challenging thing in the past. And like I was just saying of going through my hormone healing journey, there were so many times where I would get on a call with Leslie and I would just want to shake her and say, just give me the tactics and the strategies that can just change how I feel right now. You know, like really just give me the step-by-step the -step instructions for this. And, you know, a, a aha moment that I had at one point was when you said to me, Vanessa, you can't override a defeating thought with a productive action. Hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit more. I know you yeah. were going into that there previously of, you know, a lot of times we try and take actions to change our circumstances, but we're not going to take the aligned actions we need to take. But what do you mean when you say you can't override a defeating thought with a productive action? Yeah. So when, when I say you can't override a defeating thought with a productive, like a productive action, there's two parts of it because in some ways you can, we'll see people do this, right? We'll see people have a thought that's like, as I said, I am disgusting or I'm not attractive or I don't feel good about myself. And now because of that thought, like I'm going to go and like start a new workout plan or I'm going to like, you know, go on a diet. Right. And they might stick with that for a week because of the willpower or because of like this, this determination. But I use this example a lot. It's kind of like this beach ball that we're trying to hold underwater, this emotion that's connected to those thoughts that you're having. They're very strong, right? And when we have this like emotion of like maybe guilt and shame or anger driving our actions, like at some point that's going to pop back up and you're going to have to deal with it. Or what maybe like happens for some people is like maybe they reach their goal weight, right? And now they're like, okay, well, I don't feel disgusting or I don't feel like unattractive, like maybe that's fixed, but now there's a new negative thought that's popped up, which is like, oh, look, I'm still not enough, right? So if we don't address the actual thought and how we are looking at ourselves and we can call this limiting beliefs, we can call these stories, but if we don't get super curious and do the work there, like even if somehow you out action, you know, you out action the feeling, which like I said, we've seen it, it can be done the thought is still going to like present itself. It might have like a slight variation. It might have like a different like word slid in, but it's still going to come back to this like almost grounded thought of like, I'm not enough or I'm not worthy or I'm unlovable or, you know, I'm not something. And that's going to create again, that feeling, that negative feeling. And then we're going to find ourselves continuing to loop around, loop around. So it's like this balance that we have to do where, of course, we need to be taking action to get a result, but we have to really spend a, a significant amount of time, at least bring some awareness to how am I thinking about what I'm doing, right? Because if I'm going to go out and start a new uh, workout or start a new diet, and when I ask you, how do you feel about that? 
you feel like, oh, this isn't going to work for me, or I feel like I have to do this, or I feel like, uh, you know, anything that's going to just like create a negative emotion inside of you, then I'm going to say, stop what you're doing right now, go back to the thought and find something for you that feels true, but also feels like, okay, this is going to give me an emotion inside of me that actually is going to propel me forward and not like in a, in a negative way, if that makes sense. Not in a, like, almost like, what would I say? Like, um, like you're almost, what's the word? You are almost. Describe the word. I don't want to say like beating yourself, but you know what I mean? Like you're like, you're, you're like being harmful to yourself. Yeah. Like putting yourself down, putting yourself down, like the way that you're speaking to yourself and the way that like you are taking action isn't from a place of love. Right. It's like, I've got to like really give it to myself hard. I got to like, really like almost beat myself up to get the result. That's Mm -hmm. never going to create sustainability. And at the end of the day, we're all looking for sustainable results. We're not here for a quick result. We're not here for just a quick change that's going to give us, you know, this immediate gratification of, oh, well, now I feel a little bit better right now because it's not ultimately long-term. We're going to find ourselves circling back to, if it's not the same circumstance, a similar circumstance. It's going to create a similar emotion, which is why, you know, circling back to what I was saying there of like, I could have gone the route of just saying, well, I think you told me this at one point. I'm like, well, if you want to. You can just say, you know, whatever, and just wait for the circumstance to change. And, you know, maybe that'll change how you feel. And that's great. But the reality is you're going to find yourself eventually coming back to the same or a similar circumstance. And so it's not going to, you know, long-term serve you to just keep avoiding this thing. And that's where it's a lot of times doing the uncomfortable work, doing the hard work is the best thing for us long-term. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just there's so many, I feel like parts of this work that would be so much easier, as you said, to just be like, give me the formula, tell me what I can do to like get out of this circumstance. Um, And a lot of ways, like what we're trying to do, what we're always trying to do, as I said in the beginning, is we're trying to achieve a certain feeling. We don't do anything in life unless we have a feeling attached to it at the end. The only reason that we want a specific body or a specific house or a specific amount of money or a family is because we are envisioning what we're going to feel like when we have that. And I think where we get it so turned around and like so backwards is that we think that we have to have those things or do those things in order to feel this way. When we can generate that feeling inside of ourselves, literally at any moment, if you want to feel happy, start generating the thoughts inside of your mind that create that feeling. Now, if you want to feel secure, like start generating thoughts inside of your mind that are going to allow you to feel secure. And if we have roadblocks there where we're like, I actually can't feel this way, then that's when we get to do more explorative work and be like, well, why not? What does happy mean to you? What does secure mean to you? Why can't you have it now? What do you think that you need to have in order to have this thing? And like, does that even make sense? Do you even agree with that? Do you even want that to be true for you? Because if you think that you need to have this type of body in order to feel happy, Like I can tell you something that I say so often is like, it's never better there than it is here. So we think that it's going to be better when we reach our goal weight, or we think it's going to be better when we have this amount of money, or we think it's going to be better when our kids are older or younger or whatever it is, insert anything. And it's not true. 
in some ways, the circumstance might change slightly, right? Maybe you don't have the stress of this like finance, or maybe you don't have the stress of this weight or whatever it is, but something else is always going to come in and replace it. So if we don't do the work in our minds to know how to navigate our circumstances and, and know how to have a healthy control over how we're looking at and thinking about every circumstance that we have, it's never going to be better there because as soon as we get there, something else is going to slide right in and take the other things place. And we're still not going to be happy or we're still not going to be confident or we're still not going to be secure because that's just the way that life goes. There's always going to be something sliding in. Mm. So when we do the work upstairs with our thoughts, circumstances can come and go and change and shift. And we kind of remain this, like the steady state. We remain like this peace, this happiness, the security, this confidence it's inside of us. And we get to carry that into every circumstance, even the hardest ones. I love it. And it's one of those things where, well, let me ask this. So I'm sure we have a lot of clients or a lot of listeners, different people who maybe this is the first time they're hearing this concept. And maybe right now they're like shaking their phone or their headphones or something and be like, oh my gosh, well, what do I do now if, you know, my motivation for starting this health journey, really working on myself, was this idea I had in my head, this thought that when I lose the weight, I am going to be happy. And now that you've just introduced this different concept to me, Leslie, that I can choose to be happy at any moment now, how am I going to continue to motivate myself to follow along in this journey to ultimately get to a place where I know I will be healthier and I know it's good for me to be there, but I suddenly now feel like you just stole my motivation. What would you say to that person? Absolutely. Yeah. So we could still have your end goal wanting to, let's say, be a certain weight, right? I still want my result to be in this fit body. And so we know that that's going to be the thing that you want to do. And we can look at all the actions that you're going to need to take in order to be able to do that. So I'm going to need, need to get my steps in. I'm going to need to hydrate. I'm going to need to fuel my body with the good things. Um, I'm also going to need to have balance. Like, right, we can talk about all of those things, but we get to look at it from the perspective of like, how would I want to feel inside of myself to do those things? Like when I have to go out and take my walk in the morning or when I have to like, maybe make better choices on the weekend. And I don't want to say better in the sense that there's bad or good, but when I have to make choices that align with that end result, how do I want to feel? Do I want to feel like it's a burden? Do I want to feel like it's a chore? Do I want to feel like it's a, I'm punishing myself and I'm having to like willpower my way through this to get it done? Or do I want to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm taking care of myself. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. Oh, I love myself so much right? That like is such a different shift, right? So we're talking about the feeling that's going to create that the feeling that you're going to want to have to generate those actions. That's going to still give you that same result that you want, but it's coming from a different feeling inside. And like the, the thought that you would have to be having to feel proud or to feel love for yourself or to feel like confident to do those things is going to be completely different than the thought that you would have, which is like, I need to motivate myself to do this, right? If I think to myself, I need to motivate myself to do this. Like, I think the feeling that that would create for me would be pressure or obligation. And I don't know about you, but the way I act from pressure and obligation versus love and, um, you know, just like inner confidence that I know I can do this, like they're very, very different. So exactly. yeah, my, my advice there would be, of course, keep your same goal, but really do some, do some thinking as far as like, 
do some thinking and feeling as to like, what do I want to feel on my way to reaching that goal? How do I want to fuel that goal? And what would I need to be thinking in order to feel that way? Mm. This is, it's such a powerful topic when it comes to, you know, weight loss or just health and fitness and all these things, because there is so much, you know, marketing and messaging from like the diet industry that really does push you to want to take these kinds of actions from a place of fear, from a place of just these, you know, more negative emotions. And for me, I find that it's so much more sustainable long-term if we can actually get into that rhythm of actually taking those aligned actions from a place of more of the positive emotions. Because even, you know, I found with clients in the past early on when I first began coaching, I would, you know, use that of like, let's, you know, focus on your reasons why you want to do this. And we're focusing on the negative reasons of, oh, you don't want to feel this way. You don't want to feel that way. And in the future, you're going to feel this way and that way. But the reality is then I would find that clients as they would start to lose weight and they would start to feel more comfortable in their bodies and those negative emotions that were pushing them to take the action started to naturally dissipate because they weren't feeling as uncomfortable in their bodies, then suddenly they might find that they no longer feel motivated and they're struggling to take the actions that they were previously taking. And they could almost stall themselves out or just give up on themselves completely because of that. So it's just, it's a very, very powerful thing to think about. And I, I really would encourage all of our listeners right now to think about these types of things. Like, why are you taking the actions you want to take? Like Leslie was saying, do you get up in the morning and go for the walk because you're saying, oh, I have to do this. this is something I should do. I need to motivate myself to do this. Or are you doing it from a place of thoughts of, I feel great when I go on my walk. I love myself when I go on a walk. I want to take care of my body and these more positive thoughts that we all can agree are going to produce a much bit different outcome for our day. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, and I think that's such a great point that you touched on with like motivation, because for anyone listening to this, if you're operating your life, like solely on motivation, like good luck because motivation, it, it runs out. Like we have only a certain amount of motivation to where if we're thinking about that beach ball analogy, like we can, we can hold it under, we can like really try and like force motivation to come up for only so long to where like, we're going to be exhausted and we're going to be like, I can't do this anymore. And anyone that's probably listening to this has either tried a diet before or tried a new exercise routine before where they've been pushing off of solely motivation. And like maybe the first week or two or three, or maybe a month they've been able to do it. And then afterwards they're like, okay, I'm just like not motivated anymore. I'm like, I'm exhausted. And that's when the thought work has to come in or that's when the thought work would be really helpful to be the, the actual motivation or the, the healthy motivation, because it is, it is a part of you. And it's something that you're like, this isn't just like a thought that I'm like trying to implant to like override something that like was um, making me feel crummy before, but I truly believe this. I truly believe that I am a better version of myself when I take care of myself or I am like worthy of being healthy and of being like an active participant in my family in like a, like an active way, I can go out and do these things with them. Like I want to do this. I'm like worthy of doing all of these things that I've invested my time and money in. So like, that's what I want to be driving my actions. I love it. Let's, um, let's shift gears here a little bit. So we, we've talked about how our thoughts are going to impact the things that we do. What about buffering? So buffering is a, a concept that you taught me. And let's, um, let's just start with Leslie, tell us like what buffering is. Yeah. So the easiest way to describe buffering is to think about 
anything that you do and sometimes don't do in order to not feel something. And we do this all of the time. We have buffers that can be looked at as like healthy things that can, you know, long-term not be healthy for us. Um, And then we have some of these buffers that are like glaring where we're like, oh, I know that isn't healthy, right? So drinking, drugs, like overeating, um, you know, wanting to like binge watch Netflix, like those are things that we do to avoid how we feel oftentimes, even when we pick up our phone, like, and just scroll mindlessly, like there's, as I said earlier on in the episode, like everything that we do is because of a feeling. So, so often, like we are detached from what we're thinking and what we're feeling, a feeling will come up that we don't even register like, oh, I'm bored. Oh, I feel um, guilty or I feel anxious. And we'll just do something. We'll reach for the phone. We'll reach for the chips. We'll reach for the uh, remote. And that is buffering. That is our way to escape a feeling instead of staying with it long enough to be like, okay, either like, why isn't okay? Why isn't it okay for me to feel this way? Or like, why do I feel this way? What is this feeling trying to show me or teach me? Mm, let's stay with that a little bit there. Mm-hmm. So you were saying of, you know, stay with the feeling and you, you threw out a couple questions that one could ask themselves as they're staying with the feeling, but you know, maybe somebody who's never been exposed to this type of work before, how would you recommend they pause if they start to identify like, oh my gosh, maybe I do have this habit that I am buffering. Maybe I do get home from work and I'm really, really tired and I'm realizing like, gosh, that was such a hard day. And I am reaching for the bag of chips to make myself feel better. Mm. What would you, how would you start to work with somebody around that type of buffer? Yeah. And that's a really good example. Like coming home and thinking like, oh, I've had such a hard day. I'm going to grab a bag of chips or, you know, I'm going to grab a glass of wine. Like that is something that just like, that happens at least like one time. And then it becomes like a cycle to where we don't even realize that we're coming home and grabbing the chips or grabbing a glass of wine because we've had like a hard day. Like the thought itself almost like drops out. We don't even like register it. We don't even register the feeling. We literally just walk in the door, grab the chips, grab a glass of wine and do the thing. We don't even realize we're buffering. So the first, the first step I think in understanding our buffers is truly just to slow ourselves down. And when we notice ourselves doing things that we either don't know why we're doing it, or we're like, I don't want to do that. Being slow enough to ask ourselves, like, how am I feeling in this moment? So a funny example, like, that I, that I can share personally is last year. Uh, yeah, it was almost a year ago. I was finding myself like wanting to like binge eat granola, not in like such an excessive way that I don't think it would clinically be caused like called like binging, but I was like wanting to eat it when I really wasn't like hungry. And I would find myself like at certain points of the day, like going into the pantry, grabbing the granola and like munching on it. And so I started to get really curious about this. Like, I know this is a buffer, why am I doing it? And so what I would do is like when I would have that urge, what we would call before we want to do anything, there's like an urge, there's this feeling inside of us, that would be our feeling an urge. And we want to get curious about like, what that urge is communicating. So I would have this urge to go eat the granola. And I would ask myself, like, why do I want to eat this granola right now? And what I was finding, the the more I would slow myself down, is there was something happening around me that was making me feel out of control. 
And it could be so simple. It could have been like the thought that like the house was a little bit like messy or like Watson, my son was doing something that just made me feel like a little bit like worried or stressed. Like there was something that was happening so quick that my mind wasn't even registering because I'm just moving through my life, doing my normal thing, but it would happen. This feeling would be so quick and my brain wouldn't even have a full thought of like, oh, I feel out of control or, oh, I feel nervous. It would just go to urge, get the granola. And then I would eat the granola and then it would kind of like almost numb me in a sense. So if you think about like our bodies being this like glass jar, you know, if we drop a pebble into it and we shake it up and there's nothing else in that glass jar, it's going to be really loud and there's going to be a lot of vibration, right? But if I pour some granola in that jar and I shake it up, like there's not going to be as much like vibration. And so it just kind of, we feel a little bit more insulated in some way we trick ourselves into feeling like we're in control or we're safer. And you will know that what you're doing is a buffer if like after you do it, there's like this net negative, right? So you feel bad afterwards, physically or mentally. Like I'm having thoughts like, oh, I ate too much granola or my body's physically saying like, oh, I shouldn't have eaten that. Like that was too much. That's when you know it was a buffer because there's like this negative outcome that happens because of it. So what I would do is consciously like, you know, when you're doing it, right. We really just have to slow ourselves down enough to like, Oh, here I am walking to the pantry to grab the granola or here I am holding the granola. And I would picture the stop sign and just be like, stop. I'm going to interrupt this action. Maybe I even allow myself to eat the granola, give yourself that permission. Like I'm going to still do this thing, but before I do it, I'm going to at least make sure I know why I'm doing this. Buffering is something that it, you know, there's the clear, obvious examples of when we're buffering with something that maybe isn't serving us, like maybe we're mm-hmm. over consuming something. But, you know, you mentioned yourself before that buffering can sometimes be doing things that are good for us, but maybe we're doing it in a way that's buffering. So it's not really the best thing for us. Mm. And, you know, what comes to mind for me is, you know, we have a lot of clients who come to us with some severe hormonal imbalances as a result of overstressing themselves for years on end. Mm -hmm. This might be a mom who's been trying to keep up with her kids on top of working a full-time job, and then also going for some really hard workouts, you know, five, six, seven days a week. And so immediately off the bat, when we're experiencing some of these deep hormonal imbalances, we might need to pull away from something like working out to give our body a chance to rest and recover. And that can reveal for a lot of women that they were using exercise as a buffer. Mm -hmm. What would you say to those women? How do they go about kind of reconciling that when, you know, society is telling us, but exercise more, it's good for you. You need to do more and more and more when it might not be serving us in that way. Yeah, I think that's that's a complex question because there is that, you know, societal piece where it's like, yes, this has been literally like ingrained in us and enculturated in so many ways that like exercise is good and more exercise is better. So there is that unlearning piece as well. Um, but then there's this other piece where it's absolutely a very difficult thing to be faced with when we start stripping away our buffers, even our good buffers, right? Exercising. Um, I know people that you like that have buffers of like, that's even like communication. Like they always want to be on the phone with someone, or they always want to be like taking in information. Like it's just another way to detach from like what we're feeling. So it's not always a comfortable thing. It's very rarely a comfortable thing to have to confront what we're left with when these buffers are taken away. But I would, for anyone that's experiencing this, I would invite you just to lean into that with like, 
openness and curiosity to say, this is an opportunity for me to see what's there, for me to see what I'm trying to avoid. Because there are people who are living lives that are less than what they deserve or what they want, but they have found so many buffers to like layer onto their lives that now they've made this kind of like miserable life kind of manageable because they've got the wine, they've got the workouts, they've got the, you know, this outlet, they've got this outlet. So, okay, my life is manageable. And if I strip all those things away, now I got to look at something that like, I can't not see. And then I'm going to have to be faced with the idea of like, what do I want to do with this? Do I have to make some changes with this? Do I have to do like some more work on myself here? Like it reveals things to us that we actually have to face. So again, it's not a simple thing. It's not something that I will even pretend is like, oh, this is an easy part of the work, but it is one of the most revealing things that we can do. Looking at our buffers and understanding why they're there, how they might be protecting us, but also how they're holding us back in a lot of ways that can propel us forward in so many ways, but we often need people to help us uncover those buffers and to support us through that work because it's not, it's not an easy thing. Exactly. And that's why, you know, you and I both believe in coaching so much. I know, obviously I have multiple coaches, you being one of them, you have mentioned yourself that you have multiple coaches, Mm -hmm. even in the same space that you coach yourself. And it's so powerful, I believe, for everybody to have coaches through these different things because, you know, when we talk about a, a fitness context or a health context, a lot of women want to just be told what actions they need to take. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Give me the steps. But it's not always that simple. For example, what we we're just talking about there of something as simple as, you know, you might need to remove exercise for a period of time to give your body a chance to rest and reset hormones. And that right there can reveal a very challenging circumstance for you if you find that you were actually using exercise as a buffer from some other emotion that was coming up for you regularly. And a lot of times this happened myself when I initially started my hormone healing journey and I did choose to stop exercising completely other than yoga for a period of time. And right off the bat, I discovered I had a lot of really uncomfortable feelings coming up because I was having multiple buffers all at once removed. I removed caffeine, I removed exercise mm-hmm. and I was, you know, being encouraged to work less. And that's when it really revealed to me. And it wasn't until months later when we, you and I talked about buffering. But at that time, I realized how much those three things, reaching for a cup of coffee when I was having negative emotions or going to do a hard workout when I'm stressed or just pouring myself into work when difficult things are happening in my personal life. I was using all three of those things as buffers. And it was a very tough time working with you, having to work past those things and having to really do the deep work and uncover where the hard thoughts were coming from, you know, working through those different things. It is really challenging, but Mm -hmm. I think just sharing this type of stuff and bringing awareness to some of the women who are listening is hopefully going to help them start to bring awareness to their own buffers and how they can start to move away from there. I know recently, um, Recently, one of the questions that you had asked me that I had noted down because it was so powerful was you asked me, what would it look like to create a life that you didn't need to buffer in? And I know we did some work kind of going back and forth there, and I uncovered some different areas of my life that I would want to do things differently, which led me down a rabbit hole of realizing that one of the things that would I would love to have in my life that I would feel like I wouldn't need to buffer from is more 
in-person relationships, more social activities, different things. And then that's where I uncovered, well, why am I not doing these things? Why am I not going out and socializing? Why am I not engaging in activities? And I realized that I was carrying the thought that I need to wait until my body changes before I can go and do those things. I need to wait until, again, circling back to what we talked about in the beginning, I need to wait for this circumstance of my body composition to change before I can go and do those things, which then you helped me peel back the layers of what the true thought is, which I then realized I was carrying a thought I didn't even realize I had, which was that people won't love me or I'm not lovable if I'm in a bigger body, which was something I felt like I had worked through years ago and years of therapy and I was still carrying with me. So I just wanted to share that because I want everybody to realize that this stuff, it's not an overnight change. You're not going to hear this on this podcast and be able to flip a switch in your brain and everything be fixed. It does take days after days of just doing the work over and over again. Hmm. Yeah. And and that's such a great point. And like you said, Vanessa, we've been working together for a year. And I was talking with a client yesterday who I've been working with for almost three years and that the three-year mark, they're like, oh my gosh, I I have so much more to do. And it's not in a way where it's like, this never ends. And this is like terrible. And this is like exhausting, but it's in a way of like, of course there's more work to do. Like we have been programmed and we've been like kind of just raised in this world to believe that like we we need to change, as you said, change our circumstances in order to feel happy. And it's, I said, I made a post about this yesterday. I'm like, even if I tattooed this like belief on my brain that like I'm in control of how I feel and my thoughts are what creates my feelings, I would still need reminders. I would still need someone to come alongside of me and, and to coach me and work with me, especially on these deep rooted thoughts and beliefs around ourselves, right? All thoughts end up leading back to some variation of like, I'm not worthy. I'm not enough. Like I'm not important. Like we all have that inside of us. It's a very human thing. So it's not always about trying to figure out like the origin of the thought. It can be helpful in some ways. And therapy is amazing for helping us uncover some of those deeper thoughts and beliefs. But once we understand it, like we don't need to spend time there, like figuring out like why this happened and like, you know, who's to blame for this and what was like the catalyst for that. That's not like really the best use of your time, but it's like, okay, what am I going to decide and choose now? Because now is all that we have. And at any moment you can decide, like, I have this thought that like, okay, maybe felt true at some time, maybe in in some ways, like I still believe is true, but also like, I don't like the way it's making me feel. And I don't like the way that I'm acting because of it. So maybe I'm still going to let it be there, but I'm also going to give like, I'm going to give like even airtime to like a thought that also could be true that makes me feel differently. And I'm going to let them both be there. I think oftentimes we just focus so much on the, like a negative thought and we don't give any, any airtime to another option that could make us feel better as well. Can you give maybe an example of kind of what that would look like in practice for somebody who's maybe dealing with this stuff? Yeah. So let's, let's use the example of, well, I'll, I'll ask you, cause like you work you work with people all day long around like fitness and like diet. And so what would be maybe a thought that you hear often that comes up that would be kind of like maybe a a not helpful thought? Ooh, there's so many. Um, Let's go with something a little bit different from the ones we've already Mm -hmm. talked about before. Let's go with, I am just not capable of 
tracking my food and changing things about my nutrition. Yeah. So if, if we have a thought of, I'm not capable of tracking my food and changing my nutrition, right? It probably wouldn't feel true to just implement a thought of, I am capable of tracking my food and changing my nutrition. And I think that's often where we get things a little bit like twisted and where things kind of like the wheels fall off and we stop believing in this this practice of like choosing our thoughts because we try to grab something that we don't believe and doesn't feel true. So instead of going all the way to the other side, right, we might want to just get curious about that thought first and think about like, well, what does it mean to me to like be capable? Right. What would it look like for me to be capable of like making better food choices, like changing like my nutrition? And once we get clear on what that would look like, then maybe from there we can find another thought where it's like, well, you know what? If in my definition of like what it means to make better food choices, it meant that like I could choose like an apple instead of like a Pop Tart in the morning, maybe I just changed my thought to like in the morning, I'm going to choose. I'm choosing to make a a healthy decision for my breakfast. And that's how I'm going to prove to myself that I'm capable. So like we can make like very small variations, very small shifts to our thoughts that don't have to go all the way to the other end of the spectrum of something that we just don't believe, but we can make these little nuances, these little shifts that is like, okay, like that feels slightly better. Maybe I don't feel on top of the world and like I can do anything, but I can do this. And even just believing that I can um, make a better choice in the morning makes me feel hopeful instead of making me feel unhopeful, which is like how I would feel when I believe I'm not capable. So I like to describe it and like to visualize it as like almost like this little like stepladder where if like we have this thought that it's at the bottom of the stepladder, I'm, I'm not capable And we just take one step up to say like, okay, like I can do this one thing, just this one thing. Like, and that proves to me that like, I, you know, I am capable in some way, maybe I'm not the most capable person in in all the ways, but I can do this thing. We can build on that slightly. And that just, that's all it's about. We're, we're changing the feeling. It doesn't matter if it's the best thought in the world, if it gives you a feeling that's slightly better than what you were feeling before. So we're not going from one extreme end of the spectrum feeling wise of, I you know feel just really crappy about myself to, I feel so confident and happy and amazing. It's more of just, I'm moving one step away from the, I feel really crappy about myself feeling towards a feeling that I can slightly feel more capable of taking an action from. Absolutely. Yes. And the best way to like figure out if you have a thought that is actually like going to work for you is just to ask yourself how you feel. Like if you fit like, I might be swinging too far. Like if you have the thought like, oh gosh, I'm amazing. I'm capable. I'm confident. And I say like, okay, how do you feel when you say that? And you're like, uh, like it's bullshit. Like, right. Like I don't believe it. Then we go, okay, good, good information. That's not where we're at. Like, well then First of all, how do you want to feel? We could start there. All right, well, maybe I want to feel hopeful or maybe I just want to feel um, neutral. Then what would you want to be thinking? Right, we can we can step it back that way as well because if we acknowledge what we want to feel first and just tap, sometimes we need to drop into the body instead of staying in the head, then we can work backwards and say, all right, well, if I want to feel this way, what would? why would I be feeling that way? 
well, I'd be feeling that way if I was thinking this thought. And that feels true to me. You said dropping into the body there. And that's mm-hmm. something that you you and I do a lot. Oftentimes I, I find myself in very emotional states and you'll encourage me, okay, let's drop into your body and you'll take me through you know, a series of questions. What do you mean by that? Tell our listeners a little bit about what you meant there when you say maybe we need to drop into our body. Yeah, yeah. Dropping into our bodies, it's such a powerful thing because most of us live in our minds, right? And that's why we feel anxious and we feel confused and we feel stressed because we're all up here in the brains. And like when we're up here in our minds and in our brains, it's like we feel very detached from what's happening in our body. And we also feel confused because we don't understand like what to do, right? Remembering that everything that we do or don't do comes from our feelings. And if we're detached from our feelings and emotions, like we just don't know what we're doing or why we're doing it. So when we drop into our body and we say like, for example, okay, I would really like to feel happy right now. If I want to drop into that, I would close my eyes and I would like generate that feeling of happiness. I would like pull happiness into my body and say, where would I feel this? And I would just get curious, like create a visual. What would this look like? What would happiness look like in my body? What color would it be? Would it move? Like, and I know it sounds silly, but when we do that, when we ask ourselves these questions and we kind of generate this feeling inside of us and stay with it long enough to like, even just like imagine what it would look like, what it would be doing inside of our body. What we're doing is one, we're giving our brains a break because we're dropping down into our body, but we're allowing ourselves to actually be with an emotion long enough to get familiar with it. And we do this with both emotions, negative emotions or dark side emotions or, you know, light side emotions. Um, and they, it's a benefit either way with dark side emotions. We stay with our feelings long enough to understand that they can't harm us and we can handle them and we can be with them and we don't have to like push them away or avoid them or be scared of them. And with light side emotions, we want to stay with them long enough to just be like, Oh, one, I can generate this at any time. And two, kind of when we get to the bottom of like what it feels like, what it looks like, we can ask ourselves like, what makes me feel this way? And that will often reveal the thoughts that we would want or need to be having about ourselves or about our situation that's going to help us generate that feeling. Most of us are very, very detached from our bodies and from our emotions, and we do everything we can, aka buffer, to not feel things. And we just move through life kind of like, as I said, in this detached way. That's why meditation is so important. That's why breathing is so important because it brings us back into our physical body even if it's just for 30 seconds, it's incredibly powerful. You know, I am definitely a fan of meditation and breathing and all these different things. So always love to hear somebody like you, such a professional, be able to kind of emphasize that as well. Take notes, guys. Well, Leslie, before we wrap up here, I mean, this has been so powerful and you've you've shared so much here. What do you want our listeners to walk away from this conversation with? I know we covered a lot. What is something that they really should take from this? What What is something that they could take into their own lives for themselves? Absolutely. I would say if I had to give one piece of advice, like something that someone could take away from this and do like something tangible, it would be to slow down their lives enough to be act- to be able to see what they're creating. And what I mean by that is, and Vanessa, you're familiar with this, like start writing down what you're thinking. Even if it's like just for like 10 seconds a day, right? Or even if you just write down five things, like notice certain points of your day where you like have a stirring inside of you. Maybe you wake up and you're like, oh, I just feel anxious or I feel settled or I feel excited. Like I want you to start showing yourself why you're feeling what you're feeling. 
And oftentimes, and I do this practice almost every single day at some point in my day, um, but oftentimes when we can see it on paper, oh, no wonder I feel um, anxious today. I've got all of these thoughts that are telling me that I've got so much to do or that I don't know what I'm doing or like this could go wrong. Like, of course, that makes sense. Like, no wonder I'm feeling this way. When we bring clarity to what we're thinking and what we're feeling and we can kind of connect it, that in itself can help guide us because we don't feel so helpless or so confused because we're like, oh, it makes sense. And from there, we might choose like a different thought or we might choose to keep having the same thoughts that are creating that anxiousness. But at least we know, at least we don't feel helpless. At least we don't feel like it's all these circumstances that are making us feel anxious. Oh, it's my day. It's my schedule. It's my family. It's whatever. No, I can clearly see no wonder I'm feeling this way. This is what I'm thinking. And if that's all that you get from it, just the understanding that like, this is what creates how I feel. That's the most beautiful starting place. And you can build so much from there. Amazing. Well, this has been really wonderful. I know even for myself, I've heard so many of these things before, but every single time I hear you talk about these things, Leslie, it's always impactful. I feel like I always pick up something different. So I hope that for our listeners, it's been the same experience. I hope this has been incredibly impactful for you. Now, Leslie, before we close out, where can our listeners connect with you more? Where can they hear from you? Where's the best place to reach you? Yes, absolutely. So you you mentioned the podcast earlier on. So it's the Mindset Maniac on Spotify. I do quick little eight to 10 minute um, episodes a few times a month. So um, make sure to follow along there. And then on social media, you can find me at Leslie Crevar and Life Coach. I share a lot of like stories and posts like relevant to what we're talking about today. And then of course, like fun life stuff just to mix it in and, and show the, the real human side of like, you know, who I am as well. Definitely give Leslie a follow on Instagram. If nothing else, just the tidbits that she shares in her stories from her own personal life and the things that she learns and how she implements things have always been really transformative for me. So definitely recommend giving her a follow and don't be afraid to reach out to her as well. She's mm. incredibly connective and always happy to help. But Leslie, thank you so much for joining our podcast for the second time here. As always, it's been wonderful to get to talk with you. And to our listeners, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you learned something today, the best way to say thank you is to subscribe to the podcast and leave a five-star review in iTunes. And if this particular episode resonated with you, do me a favor and take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. Don't forget to tag me at Vanessa G Fitness so I can show you some love. All right, my carb queens, talk to you in the next episode.